Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Hey, 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 we're the champions of CONCACAF for the second time in two months. The U.S. defeated Mexico 1-0 on a Miles Robinson goal in the 117th minute. How appropriate it was for the winner to come on a lovely dead ball from Kellen Acosta and a textbook header from Robinson, the two heroes of the night. We celebrate again. Greg, how are you doing? Bells, I'm doing great. Eight win summer for the fellas. uh, And I'm going to say that the present is bright. The present is bright. Yeah. What, What do you think is the brightest thing right now? What are you what are you feeling brightest about? The thing I'm feeling brightest about is absolutely the depth we have now established. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that we are suddenly like the dominant forces in Concacaf and that we can even dominate Mexico or expect to uh, on a regular basis. But we talked uh, after the last couple of, or in our last recording, we talked about how at this point the ro- the roster had become cute proof. Uh, like it was hard to imagine picking a player that would be like, all right, like I don't really see how he gets into this roster. Now I feel like we're at the point where we're going to be like leaving out several players that we want to see, but they will be like blocked out of a place by other players that we really want to see. And I'm talking like 28 players deep come these extended camps for World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, we're going to we're getting to the point where we um yeah, we're going to like you said we're going to leave off players we we wish were there. We can get into that some of that list I guess a little bit later. It- and we it's not even just players we wish were there in the scuffed sense of like man i really wish this like we could see this player like uh, you know we have big dreams for a lot of uh, prospects or or hopes to at least see them now we're going to be talking about leaving off players who have played key roles in wins over mexico in in cup finals that's like the level of player that we're talking about when we say we wish we could see this guy uh it's not like i want to get a look at him it's it's guys who have actually now done it at least once on the real stage, uh, and it's—I have no idea how they're all going to be squeezed into a camp. I, I don't think they can all be. Yeah. The other thing, another thing to be excited about, I guess, is the is the fight and the spirit of this team under Berhalter, which I know is not your favorite uh, area of discussion. But you were even talking about it last night in the group chat uh, that you that there there was a lot of heart. And I think that's true, man. These these players battle for each other. You could see even the guys who've been benched since game one of the Gold Cup running out and celebrating wholeheartedly. I saw Jackson Ewell and Jonathan Lewis, you know, absolutely participating in that celebration. And uh, you love to see it, the, the togetherness and the um, just the battle. Yeah, and I've, I've always loved the togetherness in that sense. Uh, I don't read too much into, like, body language of celebrations, but... Uh, even like the 2019 World Cup, uh, when we weren't doing very well on the field, um, and you'd have like you'd have Josie Altidore like on you could see him on the sideline, totally backing Jazzy Zardes, who was taking a ton of heat and who still you know takes his f- fair share of heat more than his fair share. Uh, and it, even then, I remember saying like it's great that the players are doing this. My thing with the the fight and the spirit and the heart was always more about, I'd even said, it's more about the how we're set up tactically and are we setting up tactically to allow that fight and spirit to show itself on the field, not just, you know, when you're giving guys hugs in the locker room. But now it's like, can we actually go out there and hunt together? Can we, can we wreck guys as a unit? And we are, I think now, 
the last two games at least against Mexico at least we are firmly in the in the camp where we are doing that yeah we seem to raise our level when we play Mexico um the the level of intensity which is necessary the and I I think like even James Sands who had kind of a a rough outing again last night or not a you know at least not a perfect outing uh man he was he the full 120 minutes he's he's battling and you know making sliding desperate challenges which there was plenty of need for so all very positive two and oh versus mexico dosa zero as several people have said and why don't we get into the lineups and the timeline let's do it okay so the u.s came out with turner and goal of course and James Sands and Miles Robinson at center back. Reggie Cannon replaced Shaq Moore at right back. George Bellow replaced Sam Vines at left back. And then we had my preferred midfield of Acosta at the six, Eric Williamson and Sebastian Legette at the eight. And then wingers were Ariola and Hoppy. And Zardis started up top at striker, which seemed like uh, it was going to happen. And it did. <laughs> It did, and and again, very happy with the midfield setup. I was very surprised uh, because uh, wasn't expecting to see Eric Williamson in that lineup. Was was ex- I was excited to see his name in there because again, I think the amount of bite he provides uh, out of the guys in this group is is the best out of anyone besides Acosta. So that's you know we've been we've been haunted about this for a while about adding that edge that steel. Uh, to the midfield in particular, but you could almost make the case that this is the Adam Bell's cage match 11 out of the guys on this roster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think more, more for can cannon for more is kind of a wash in terms of cage match. Um, and it turns out bellow was actually a little bit of an improvement on vines, which I did not expect. I did not expect bellow to play as well as he did, but yeah. Uh, cage match, <laughs> cage match 11. As we're talking about Richie, as an aside note, we we're talking about Richie Ledesma earlier today on the Discord, and um, you were questioning his cage match ability. And it is a paradox of my life that I'm like this famous Richie Ledesma stan, and he is not a cage match animal the way I uh, I like our players to be. But you know, you, you sometimes you got to live with the inconsistencies in your own life, in your own heart. <laughs> well, that's what you you want a cage match midfield so that you can. Put a player like Ledesma out there. He's a, he needs a security detail. He was designed for to be a half space merchant. Um, and then okay, Mexico's lineup was now. This is obviously this was a B team for the U.S. Uh, this was a kind of an A minus team, I think, for Mexico. Missing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to abide. I'm not going to abide A team B team talk on this podcast. It's not going to happen. Really? We had we were play, we have a roster of multiple backups. Yeah. Okay. Mexico's was a. a I, w- I just want to make the point that Mexico's was this was not a full A team for Mexico either. Okay. It's an A minus. I mean, I call it an A minus team. They're missing Chucky Lozano. They're missing obviously Raúl Jiménez. Um, who else? Samo Ochoa is in the Olympics. Yeah, that's right. Diego Linus is in the, at the Olympics. And that which where they're about to they're about to compete for for a medal. Right. Interesting times for Mexican soccer fans. Anyway, the goalkeeper is Alfredo Talavera, Chaka Rodriguez and Jesus Gallardo at fullback, Nestor Araujo and Hector Moreno as the center backs, Ache Ache, Hector Herrera, and Jonah Dos Santos. I'm going all out of order here. Jonah Dos Santos are the eights. Edson Alvarez is the six. 
And then Tecatito and Oberlin Pineda are the wingers with Rogelio Funes Mori as the striker. Uh, I don't think any big surprises there. A good Mexico team. I mean, at least on paper, a good Mexico team. We'll get into whether they're actually good later. They're good. They've got they've got the finishing yips. They they've kind of had them through this whole tournament. Yeah, and it's not just the finishing. It's the it's the a little bit of a lack of cutting edge in the final third, wouldn't you say? Yeah, like a bit of a bit of the last pass yips, uh, which which I still think bears out in finishing over over this kind of a short sample because uh, when you're not making that perfect setup pass. Uh, the finish gets a lot harder. You're you're having to force your finish through a tighter window or whatever you might have. You know, th- those kinds of things uh, take place. The XG estimates sort of range depending on which stat surface you're <laughs> using. But in general, Mexico had the better of the chances last night. It, it, it could be a, a, a gap of a, a, up to a goal of an expected goal down to, you know, a fourth of a goal, depending on which stat service you use. <laughs> But in general, I think we were we were hitting it about seven. We were on either one. The consistency was that we were about seventy five percent of whatever Mexico produced. So if some uh, services are giving more XG, they're giving us more and Mexico. That's more. true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, second minute time. Let's start the timeline. Second minute, uh, first kind of scary moment of many for the U.S. Sands passes it back to Matt Turner, and Turner takes a way too casual touch. And Funes Mori gets there first and touches it and then goes down. I don't think it was a penalty, but there was definitely a shout and it was a scary moment. Uh, what did you think? So I don't even think it was a casual touch. Like this wasn't like he thought he had. It was just an ab- absolute like shocking touch. Uh, he just he just sort of uh, brick footed it way too far away from himself. Uh, you could tell it surprised him. He didn't expect it to go that far. Uh, and then he very thankfully pulled out of the challenge. Uh, or he for sure would have been VAR'd into a penalty because Funes Mori knew he was coming, and so he, uh, Mori wasn't Funes Mori wasn't expecting him to pull out of the challenge. So if, if uh, Turner's foot had gone all the way in, it would have for sure been a penalty. Yeah, he was not going to get to the ball first. There was a little bit of contact, even without him putting his foot through the you know through the play, but he he pulled back enough. I think that the the referee thought waved it off. So there you have it. There you have it. A little bit of the Turner uh, foot skills. You know, we, we talk about his ability to play with his feet. Uh, I think the, the biggest consolation prize, though, to having Matt Turner in goal is the fact that he didn't give up an entire open play goal through six games, which I think has a lot of value. Quite a consolation prize. Yeah. No, that's that's the that's the knock on Turner is his feet. And that was a, a big feet moment. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> You know, he also maybe his distribution was a little slipshod throughout the game, but I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm on board with you, Greg. Let's uh, let's let's make Turner the the number one. Give Ethan Horvath a chance to compete with him. What's the what's the latest on Horvath? Is he has he found a club yet? He's at Nottingham Forest. Uh, oh. He signed a few weeks ago, but he has not appeared as far as I know. They just had a, I think their last friendly of the season canceled, and I think they start their league. Or they're playing in the EFL uh, or the League Cup this weekend, but he's going to have a Forest has a competitive game in five days. Shame on me for not knowing that. Okay, <laughs> fourth minute. Hold on, hold on. I know, I know. We're we're into our first item on the timeline, but uh, on the goalkeeper front, when you say give give Horvath a chance, do you mean like do you expect us to just straight rotate goalkeepers through the 
three game windows at all any rotation or do you think he's picking one and, and running with it until until the actual on field performance demands a change I don't know I don't know what he's gonna do <laughs> all right fourth minute well I mean it, just trying to think the way three, think in Berhalter's shoes he's gotta he's gotta trust Turner so much after this tournament right that's where, again, even if you said the burden of proof was on Turner to prove that he has it over Stefan, like, I don't know how this wouldn't, if, if, like you had said, if you don't think he's better now, like, there's just nothing he can do that will make you think he's better. It will have to come from whichever keepers uh, Burhalter might rate ahead of him having some poor performances on the field and qualifying. Yeah. And, and as we've discussed in some detail on this podcast, Stefan has had. Uh, you know, some moments that are not great in the last, I mean, basically since this podcast came into existence, but definitely over the last couple months. Thinking of the Nations League tournament, of course. All right, let's move to the second item on the timeline. There are many more to come. <laughs> the fourth minute, uh, a lovely move from the U.S. I think you posted a clip on somewhere on this. Uh, Robinson, it, it ends with the, well, it doesn't end, but it sort of begins with Robinson stepping past Funes Mori plays it between the lines to Ariola, who makes a quick pass to Zardes in zone 14, and Zardes taps it wide to Bello. Bello's cross comes to the feet of Williamson at around the penalty marker, and he tries to have one like a sidewinder on the volley and doesn't hit it right. It does go on frame, but it's pretty easy for the goalkeeper. This is actually a huge chance. Unfortunately, Zardes was offsides on the buildup. Very clearly, that would have been called back. But it's, it's, a, it's a warning shot for Mexico that like we're going to, you know, we're going to be able to create something in this game. And it is one of the few moments in the game that we created from possession, right? Exactly. And so that's that's what I was watching. Like, holy Lord, that was a very slick sequence. Uh, and we have not had a game, I don't think, against any good opponent where we have actually had the possession click and be the dr- main driver of our chances. Uh, and so I was like, that this could be the game. We could Maybe we are going to just take it to Mexico. Didn't turn out that way. Um, through possession. It was a bit of a, a bit of a false false flag there. We didn't end up generating most of our chances through like actual, you know, Burhalter disorganization with the ball. But this was a good example of it. At least once. We got one. Yeah. Tidy from Tidy from Ariel and, and Zardis, but notable that the entry pass comes from Robinson after dribbling with the ball at his feet. And I feel like I mean there's gonna be a lot more to say about Robinson in this podcast episode, but I feel like his increasing comfort with the ball over the course of this tournament, at least in this system, uh, is 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 really worth noting. Like he looked he looked much better on the ball last night against our toughest opponent of the tournament than he did at the beginning of the tournament. And that's you that's just, a lot. Do you just a, want to say right now? Do you just want to say right now that Robinson will be starting the first World Cup qualifier next to John Brooks? It's a perfect compliment. I mean, I I I I wouldn't be mad about it. You know, I'm as I'm as big of a Chris Richards fan as anybody, and I think he's the one who's competing with with Robinson for that spot. But you can't argue with Robinson at this point, I don't think. Uh, I'm with you. I I would actually expect Robinson to start uh, that first qualifier just for the confidence he would have built up in the last uh, three weeks. And uh, I'm also confident in Chris Richards, so I think we're going to end up over the next couple of windows with a really good. If you want to call John Brooks center back number one, 
than having a good 2A, 2B situation where you can rotate them in next to Brooks and potentially even give Brooks some nights off in those three-game windows where it's Richards and Robinson. I'd be totally happy with Richards and Robinson. Wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're probably going to continue this pattern of like using sort of small moments to make <laughs> larger points, but there you go. It was, uh, that was a good moment from the U.S., we did some decent stuff possessing through the press, you know, in the first 10 or 11 minutes. I thought I won't get into each individual moment. And it was, a, I, I don't clock any major chances from Mexico in the first 10 minutes either. There's the, the bellow handball shout in the 11th minute. It's just a lovely blind switch from Ache Ache. And Tecatito corrals it and one twos to the end line with bellow in pursuit. His cross goes off Bellow's arm, but it's tucked into the silhouette of his body. So I don't I feel okay with it not being a penalty. Same, and I, I don't even know what the rules are anymore. For all I know, the rules specifically say not to give that a penalty, or they might even say that's definitely a penalty and you are obligated to give it. I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to uh, discuss the gray areas of the handball rule inside the box. Yep. Same minute, 11th minute, on the ensuing corner, Tecatito hits it and Funes Mori rises to put a strong header on frame just in, inside the near post. Turner makes a save, which we've come to expect, but uh, that that was a powerful header, even you know, even though he wasn't like flying into it, still got a, generated a lot of power on it. It was perfectly placed. Tell me what, what you thought of the save. I thought it was a great save, but... I don't excellent save. It reminded me of reminded me of Ochoa's on McKenney from the Nations League final. Uh because Turner didn't have any help there. It's not like he saved it right in front of a man on the post who would have cleared it out. He had to get all the way to his post to save it. And he did because his uh positioning and timing and footwork and range are elite. He did a double foot move to generate that jump. Like he like he like he shuffled once and then jumped. It's called a power step, and it was uh, something you could show to your uh, young players who are going to play goalkeeper. Nice. There's a long, a long break after that when Williamson takes a shot to the head with the ball. I was a little concerned about him uh, and the, sort of the concussion protocol, but he came back on, seemed to be mostly okay. 18th minute, another Mexico chance. It's a long ball from Talavera, the goalkeeper. Gallardo beats Williamson a little too easily, I think, and combines with Pineda and then slides a good ball across the face of goal. There's nobody there. Funes Mori sort of peeling off to go to the back post, but that's a scary moment. The in- ensuing corner results in a header for Ache Ache and a much easier save for Turner. Yeah, those are just the easy X- XG points Turner's been collecting all tournament. <laughs> Uh, so then the 26th minute, we get uh, a very big chance for the U.S., and it's a nice sequence of television images because just before a Mexico goal kick that's brought on by a, sort of a lumped ball from Miles, the the producers cut to the coaches, first Tata, then Greg, and Berhalter is saying, let's effing go, just screaming at the boys and like, uh, you know, waving them forward. And for a goal kick, this is for a goal kick, like waving them forward, you know? Yeah. So either he was waving them forward from the last sequence, like saying, get up higher, or he's literally saying like, don't retreat on this kick, like get up, stay up. Yeah. I, I also noticed that he, as soon as he said, use that profanity, which we do not 
condone on this podcast. No. Uh, he looked at the camera and was like, oh, no, they just saw me say that. <laughs> That's what his eyes said anyway. Anyway, immediately Zardis and Legette go to work after this goal kick. Uh, Zardis, Zardis tackles a guy, doesn't come away with it. And then uh, Legette pokes it away from Edson Alvarez, who takes a, a heavy touch reminiscent of Turner's earlier in the game. And Legette glides past Alvarez, slips it to Ariel in space in the box, and Ariel's shot is off the near post. This is what we want from Legette, though, right? Can I can I jump in with some Legette love here? Uh, like, this is good from Legette. This isn't just like... Yes, it was a bad touch from Edson Alvarez, who was under no pressure. Like it was a Mexico had solved the initial problem, touch it back to Alvarez, and he just like again, just like Turner, punches it too far away from himself. But Legette eliminates Alvarez with the touch. He doesn't just win the challenge and win it. Like he skips past him, and then he skips past another defender with his pass. So he the defender commits too many releases it just as a defender uh, like goes to the into the challenge to free Ariola and make sure that there's nobody else around. So this was very good, well done from Legette. Ariola is in. Ariola is danger adjacent. He's always very close to being dangerous. And this is another example. Eventually, he's going to get a couple of these to fall if he keeps if he keeps getting looks with the national team. Yeah, I, I learned on Twitter yesterday that you, you can't say progress to his XG. You have to say regress to his XG, mm-hmm. even yes, if he's he below. Even if he's below it, that's correct. There you go. Statistics. Come on, nerds. Learn the language. People are so hard on Legette, you know, even in the Discord, which is sort of a, you know, a scuffed friendly zone. He created this chance. He didn't get a lot of credit for it. And then, but I mean, I admit he had a bad second half. He looked pretty gassed to me, but um, I don't understand why, I don't understand why folks are so hard on him, I guess is all I'm saying. Uh, there is that element, like, uh, I, I know people want to say that's not the case. It's just on his play, but it, it's absolutely the case that the MLS guys have a have a uh, harsher audience <laughs> because a lot of people are, are sort of waiting for them to make the mistake and then pouncing on it. Uh, and I think that's the case with... I think that's for sure the case with Legit. There's a there's an element of like, uh, he shouldn't be here because he's playing in an average league and we should be looking at other guys. Um, but I, I just can't help but disagree with that because I think Legit has definitely earned the minutes he has gotten on the national team with very good national team play in the past. And even though he's been a little bit off uh, from his usual self, maybe in a couple of games, he still had good moments. And this was a, a very good moment against Mexico's strongest available team. So uh, he's I think he clearly provides value in the sense that he's our fourth or fifth best attacker in a full strength setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought he, you know, obviously this big moment, he also had the, um, the, uh, the corner kick that Hoppy flashed just over. So he's like, he finally hit a good set piece in this tournament. Uh, he a lot of the times when we were breaking the press, it was going through his feet. He is a, he is tidier in combination than I think the other midfielders are in those really tight moments. Uh, I don't know, maybe not tidier than Acosta. I don't know. He was he was involved in that fourth minute buildup we had early in the buildup where the ball was going across the middle and he was receiving it under like very immediate pressure and he just had a very little clever flick. To move it along to keep the play alive. So let's call just, it a medium, it a medium-throated defense of Sebastian Legette because he did have a lot of rough moments in the second half for sure. Uh, I thought our press was really working. I mean, this is the, the best example of it, but the press was really working. It, it makes me wonder. You know, Susayeta said on Twitter that 
you know, the, the big difference between this game and the Nations League game is that we're pressing with, uh, with some vigor. And in the Nations League game, we were sort of happy to let Mexico pass the ball around in the back. Does this show that Burhalter is, you know, gradually evolving into the coach we all thought he should have been at the beginning, <laughs> which is, you know, a, a coach who puts the puts the players out there to to press and win win chances in transition, rather than, you know, tiki takaing all over the field. I mean, this game work I think is a data point for that, right? Like again, he he played. It also shows that some of those like. And we've been saying this for a while, too. Those sort of all-action midfielders is what we were calling them back in 2019 uh, are not necessarily worse passers than the nominal, like, playmaking, deep-lying playmakers that we had been trying to force into the squad who often prevented us from playing this aggressive of a press. So, yes, I think this is a good data point for Burhalter being willing uh, to sort of run with this more aggressive defensive stance and trusting that that will create some uh, chances that you might not get from the possession side. Yeah. Because I don't, I mean, again, this, I don't think that Hoppy and uh, Zardes and Paul Ariola are your prototypical possession front three that you're just going to dominate possession and incredible interchange. Like, I don't think that's what you're going to get from those three guys. No. I mean, maybe Hoppy at some point in his career uh, with a better... No, I don't know. I don't even know about that. Okay, let's move on with the timeline. 31st minute, uh, there's a corner kick for Mexico. Uh, Gallardo nods a ball into the area, and Funes Mori receives it on his chest with Sands on his back, turns Sands and dribbles into the six, kind of juggles, dribbles into the six, and shoots from a really tight angle. Uh, Turner makes the save with his knee. I notice it because you, you can sort of see Sands' limitations in this play. Even though Sands did yeoman's work in this game, he uh, and I still think he's a useful player, he is going to get little-brothered by big number nines, and this, that's what happened in this moment. Right, so he in this case, he almost like uh, got a double... Like, Turner almost came over as like the double-teaming defender, right? Turner was like right on top of the play to block it with his knee. Yeah. Excellent approach from him. Excellent job of like staying big and not giving any of the goal uh, to Funes Mori to shoot at. But yes, like Sands, you're gonna have to worry about it, right? Like you're gonna have to hope that you get through the game without without him getting uh, out physicaled in this kind of tight space. Yeah, there were a couple other moments which I'll I'll try to mention. Thirty uh, third minute, uh, I clocked a one v one triumph for Bello versus Jonah Dos Santos. He harries him to the sideline and pokes it out of bounds. Um, he also made a sliding interception on an entry pass from Shaka to Tecatito a few moments earlier. So this is just a moment to mention that that Bella was quite solid defensively, and I think probably above a little messy, but above replacement value in possession too. Like more likely to to do something inventive in the build up than Vines. I'd give you that. I, I think that's that's fair. Vines tended to always have to just... I mean, he's all tournament, all through the Olympics. Uh, he wasn't necessarily bad, but he's very predictable. Like, he's got to move the ball to his left foot uh, and, you know, play a pretty simple pass. Other than that one moment of absolute total football movement from him versus a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wonder, you know, I don't know who Burhalter should bring to that first quali- World Cup qualifying window if it's going to be one of those two. 
you'd asked me a week ago, I'd been like fines for sure. But now I don't know. You don't know. And it's, it's one in a number of position battles where it's like, don't know either. Both. Like I won't be mad. Yeah. 34th minute Funes Mori gets another chance on a lovely bit of interplay down our right side. Uh, Hector Herrera to Pineda to an overlapping Gallardo who is just very efficient when he bombs forward. Gallardo cuts it back for Funes Mori and he scuffs it after Miles lays out to try to intercept the the cutback. Misses the frame completely. I I just noticed that Cannon's got to do better in the lead up because it starts with him getting to a loose ball and then missing Leggett with a fairly simple pass in the middle of our half. I also noticed, I know I'm doing a lot of talking here, so please interrupt (laughs) me, but I also noticed just the, 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 the choreography of the movement from Mexico in this play is so nice to watch. You know, Gallardo sees Ache Ache about to pass it to Pineda, and he's already on a dead sprint down the down the line, knowing what's going to happen next. And then he receives that he receives that pass from Pineda with his right foot, takes a touch that takes him past Cannon with his first touch, and creates a lot of danger. And I think. And go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. This is always sort of the joy of watching Mexico in the buildup, like in their possession. And I think they outpossessed us like 60-40, uh, 65-35 63, maybe. 63-37, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it, it is just this like, it's not just that the individual on the ball has this technique. It's very much like the aptitude around them. Uh, and the, and like you said, it's like this, almost like this understood choreography. Um, and that is almost like a constant whoever the manager is so it's not like oh this is tatas you know installing this choreography like growing up watching mexico play they've always just had that uh that knowledge that like institutional knowledge cultural knowledge of yeah of how to play in this way and so it is it is really fun to watch uh and i'm very glad that it ran into a ton of speed bumps as it got closer to the box in this game and throughout this tournament yeah yeah, it's it's deeper than tactics or coaching. I think that's my that's my instinct on it. It's like a it's it's an individual thing. It's as how you understand the game as a player, and we it is something that we have. I feel like we lack as a country, as a as a men's national team program, basically from the youth teams all the way up. It's not that 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 seamless choreography is not the way we play particularly when it comes to the way we move off the ball, where our players move off the ball, uh, you know, two steps ahead. And I don't know that uh, any system is going to change that. The encouraging. No, and, and I don't either. And I think that's one of the great things about shifting to this uh, more, more heavily emphasized defensive stance where we can create legitimate chances off of our press, even against a team. Uh, that is as fluid on the ball as Mexico. Yeah. And the, and the encouraging thing is that just because you can do that doesn't mean you can score goals, you know, that as Mexico has shown us. So um, I'd like for us to get there someday. 36 minute, very much in the spirit of nitpicking. I found our midfield support when we were springing into the counterattack a little bit lacking. And this is sort of a reference to the point I was just making. Bello intercept, intercepts a diagonal and surges forward down the left. Legit kind of slides into a supporting position behind him, but nobody is like running with any sort of urgency through the middle of the field to to show for Bello, and so he just has to give it away. And uh, I wish I wish that would not have happened that way. 
and and I don't know. I can't speak to whether it's uh, it's us just trying to be extra safe with our numbers and how many we throw Maybe, forward, yeah. and deciding that that's not a good enough attacking opportunity. Would you say that that's exactly the kind of attacking opportunity that we do need to take those? I mean, it's a mild risk to send Eric Williamson up, right? Yeah, I think we need to, you know, if Bella's going to take the ball and we're in transition and he's moving forward, we need people to show for him in the middle of the field and and quickly with alacrity. 38th, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, keep keep. Moving. 38th minute, Turner save on a decent Funes Mori shot that comes from uh, Shaka picking the ball up and dribbling from midfield almost to the end line, cutting it back across the box. Uh, it's a it's a well hit shot. It's just not to the to either side very far. Right, Turner covers it up pretty comfortably. I'm saying it's a very good shot, and it just it looks Turner just makes it look very comfortable. That's the that's like the the one that was off to Turner's left on the ground. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think that's another one that also is hit through the challenging defender. I don't remember if it was Sands or Robinson, but. Uh, whoever the defender was is like in Turner's eye line, and the ball goes through that defender to the area where that defender is taking away a portion of the goal, which again is a much harder save than it looks like because you're expecting part of that that part of the goal to be blocked by the defender, uh, and you see that all the time where the ball goes through the defender's legs and the keeper is almost frozen, and when it goes in, the announcer might say something like, "It's tough for the keeper there because he couldn't see it until late," and with Matt Turner, like that just doesn't matter. He's just there anyway wow i didn't even think of it that way man (laughs) he's a very good goalkeeper he's very good at keeping the ball from going into the goal wow it's such a big development maybe that's the biggest development of the gold cup is just him showing that to everybody uh 40th minute, good ball from Acosta to Hoppy out wide after a scramble that starts in our box. This is a moment where you just think, thank you, Kellen Acosta. We're like, the ball's sort of pinging around after we, after we tackle it away from somebody in the box. And Acosta just takes a touch and then looks up and sees Hoppy out wide and plays a very good ball to him. Uh, Hoppy's ball across to Zardes is not quite good enough. I don't know that it was even on. And it gets cut out. It falls to Legette, who slides it in for Ariola. So this is another nice, like a minor but nice little Legette moment. He 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 picks up the the clearance and then just plays a very well weighted pass in for Ariola, who tries to beat his guy and wins a, a corner right on the end line. On the ensuing corner, Legette finds Hoppy's head just outside the six, and the header, which was difficult because he's moving away from the goal, flashes just wide and over the crossbar. Uh, a bigger chance on replay than it appeared on in real time yeah it felt like such a throwaway attempt just like okay normal you know speculative throw your head at it and see what happens but then you see that it was inches away from giving us the lead uh one two more notes on the first half for me i mean it got start sort of chaotic there for a while but bello breaks out after a mexico corner and um a doesn't go down when he's pulled from behind to draw a yellow card i think on gallardo and B doesn't slip it wide to an open Ariola before he gets gang tackled. So just a little naivete from him, but he's he's a young player. So so two points there, right? One, either go down and give, get the guy the yellow card, or two, if you're going to play through it, know that that tactical foul is coming eventually. I know that they didn't end up even giving the tactical the foul as he got sort of like uh, squeezed out by a couple of defenders. But you have to like feel that coming that whatever advantage you think you have is going to disappear anyway because the defense just won't let you get through. They'll 
either foul you or you know get away with the foul and squeeze you out. So you have to move it to the next guy. You can't just keep trying to take it yourself. Uh, you're going to get brought down yeah. and lose the advantage regardless. Yep. And Ariel, you could tell Ariel was a little frustrated. He didn't get that that early, not early ball, but the ball when Bello had a chance to play it to him. 50th minute, uh, so I guess the fifth minute of stoppage time, another Ariola chance. Hoppy and Legette break the counter press. Legette to Zardes. Zardes squares to Williamson, and he plays a good through ball to, to Ariola. So good stuff from Zardes here too. I mean, I thought he was pretty good in the holdup. And uh, when he had his chances, yeah. we, we didn't find him very much. He didn't have a ton of like balls played into him. Uh, it was mostly most of his clips watching through it back are like challenging 40, 60 balls in the air. Uh, but when the ball did come to his feet, I'd agree he was he was very clean with it, which is not a not something you typically associate with Jazzy's nope. artist. Ariel is shot. Barely, barely bears mentioning, but it was left footed from distance and went well wide. It bears mentioning because again, like there was, you you see Williamson slide that ball through to Ariola, who's like not in on goal, in on goal, but in on goal enough that you know he's going to get a shot. And I don't know about you, but you're watching it, and you still just never think it's going to amount to anything. I didn't think that one was going to amount to anything. <laughs> I thought the first one might. All right. I thought the one, the first one might. Um. Well, that that one he was in on goal, in yeah. on goal, and and that one, yeah. Even even I'm going to be like, oh, he could he could finish here, right? <laughs> but this that one from Williamson at the end, uh, you just you just know he's like he feels how he's going to get caught very quickly, and he's just going to be like, whatever, I'll just I'll just kick the ball towards the goal. Technically, I will have done my part in in getting a shot off. Yeah, that's harsh. I'm sure that's harsh, but that is what it feels like after two years now of watching Ariola uh, attempting to. That's score gets good teams. that's what i feel like when i play soccer you put me in on goal and i'm like <laughs> oh no this is not good um at the half so we're that's the half so let me just say thank you again to our patrons we have to we don't thank people enough for supporting us we appreciate that links to the patreon and the discord and scuffed merch such as it is are in the show notes i will say no more about it 46th minute so the second half begins Williamson gets right after it in the second half. I thought he had a li- you know, not a fantastic first half. What do you think about Williamson? I I think that's fair, but I don't think he was exposed, if that makes sense. And I and, and I mean defensively, positionally. I don't think that he was just like our center mid was dominated. And I think that's important because I think we did start to get uh overrun a little bit more after Williamson departed. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. So I think he was he was not particularly... There were times where I was like, oh, right, there's Williamson. He started because he had been in the first half a little bit invisible. Uh, but then when he was out of the game, I was like, oh, man, we do not have a strong like bite in central midfield anymore. And he and he has offensive bite. We talked about this before, but he has offensive bite too. Like when he gets on the ball, you do feel like he might progress it or play a, play a pass in behind, which he did, you know, like that one we were just talking about with Ariola right before halftime. Yep, and this was an even better one, the one you're, you're going to detail right now. Yeah, he recovered the ball out on the top of Mexico's bo- box with um, Herrera on his back, and then he turns Herrera pretty cleverly and plays Legette in. I can't figure out if Legette's got the weight of his body wrong as he receive, as he prepares to receive this ball or if the pass is just too heavy. It's kind of hard to say. What do you think? 
It's a it's a little bit of both. Uh, Legette is in, and, and this is where the timing and the and the technique uh, becomes so crucial because Williamson spins the guy, and I'm not saying it's a bad touch, but his touch like is far enough away from him where he you know he can't make the pass until he catches back up to the ball, and so uh, Legette is in the window. Legette knows he's in the window. If Legette keeps going full speed into this seam, he's going to run himself offside. Yep. That's how tight it is. And he kind of like stops and does like the squares his body to the ball, you know, arms out wide, like showing for it. Like, yes, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Um, And Williamson didn't like play it late. He didn't take an extra touch. He played it as soon as he could get there. And his pass barely got past the sliding defender. So it's not like he could have played it at at a flatter angle towards Legette. Uh, So they basically did everything they possibly could. And it's just the window just wasn't quite there. Yeah. The, it was maybe a little heavy. Like if the pass had been a little uh, weighted, a little softer, then I feel like legit might have gotten to it. But you know, say lovey. That's the, yeah, it's possible. And again, I, I like that we are are. I don't know if people listening like it, but I I love getting into like that level of ridiculous tape breakdown uh, on a single Me play too. that amounted to a pass to their goal. <laughs> 47th minute Mexico comes right back down and Tecatito whips in a left footed cross he does he is able to get the cross off against Bello but you know they're gonna we're gonna let them have some crosses and Hector Herrera comes in on on the the back post and tries to sidewinder it and instead of heading it which I think is him getting it wrong uh and he you know his his volley attempt is nowhere near the goal it's a good chance though you get you know to hit to hit a streaking runner at the back post like that. Um, throughout this whole game, a Mexico breakthrough never would have felt like a surprise, right? Like it was it was always just like, oh yeah, that make that makes sense. They have good players and they've been dangerous all yeah. game. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake to say that they you know they were profligate in front of goal, but but yeah, they a few things bounce a couple different ways. It could have been. A much different game so we need to all remember that and not get cocky uh we i'm sure we won't bells i'm sure if we dress this exact roster against mexico in, in the world cup qualifying we'll all be uh very cautious with our optimism yeah, we will will we we're not we're not we're never going to see this roster again <laughs> so this is a this is a stretch of scariness for us i mean mexico came out in the second half and Pretty much from the forty seventh minute, that moment I just noticed, I just noted to, you know, almost to when the subs come on, it's uh, it's all Mexico more or less. Uh, we have a Sands error in the forty eighth minute, trying to play with Cannon under pressure in the corner, just uh, doesn't uh, doesn't get it past. I think it's Gallardo. It might have been Tecatito, and then Tec- either of those plays it in for Funes Mori in the box, and Funes Mori uh, plays a plays a ball across a, a pretty dramatic miles intervention clears it at the six a, another little data point against sands 51st minute big and a data, data point for mr miles robinson yep. world cup qualifying starter miles robinson i mean he was more or less flawless i think he got turned once in the second half or in, maybe that was an extra time but incredibly good game from him 51st minute big pineda chance as a herrera cross falls to him on the back post. This is the one I think that Mexico fans are going to rue the most. He cuts in 
and has one, but misses wide near post. He's he scuffed it. He scuffed it. Uh, do you have do you have a do you have like a musical note that plays when you say scuffed? No, on the, on that's, the that's a level okay. of production value we haven't attained. <laughs> um, but I think you know he could have he could have gone far post. He could have I mean just put it on frame. You know. Well, you can't. You can't just put it on frame against the U.S. anymore. Well, at least test that thesis. <laughs> 51st minute, so very shortly after this, Sands is a little too slow chasing Gallardo on a through ball and gets beat. Another scary moment. I think there's a corner kick ensues. And then uh, there's the Pineda volley with Sands you know, swinging at it from underneath in the 52nd minute, which Pineda also gets all wrong, which is not a, a – that's a really tough – that's a really tough chance to finish, but it's a cross from Chaka Rodriguez, um, and Pineda just hits it with his shin. And I'd say on rewatch, that's kind of the end of the flurry we endured at the beginning of the second half. We gradually, so in contradiction to what I said just a few moments ago, <laughs> it didn't go until the subs. It went until this moment, and we gradually got and a then, hold and on. And then Acosta just, yeah, Acosta just took the game over at that point. <laughs> Is that how you see it? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. <laughs> so 60th minute a nice entry pass from Acosta to Ariola in down the left and Ariola megs Araujo and then cuts it back for Zardes it's cut out by Salcedo nice stuff from Ariola I thought uh, Zardes is put in by Hoppy just a few seconds later with a great left footed ball takes it down with his so so Hoppy's on the right wing he gets a, a pass from Cannon I believe and then takes a touch in and, and it curls a ball in behind with his left foot I think now, Zardes was flagged for offside, but I think maybe VAR changes that. It didn't really matter because he missed the goal on his uh, on his 1v1 with the keeper. But the ideas are there. The ideas are good. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, Zardes actually does, it, does, some, does well to bring it down with his chest into his path, running full speed in on goal. It's just the finish is off. Um, I do not note all of the moments in the second half, but there are several where Acosta is just working hard to get back and taking the ball from the opponent just over and over. And he seemed like he got stronger as the second half, half wore on. He got stronger as extra time wore on. Could he have gone another 120 minutes? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Uh, some of his tackles were like, awe-inspiring like just just for, as, as someone who appreciates like those kinds of uh defensive like it's they were like sophisticated like the way he'd contort his body was like watching baseball players sliding around yeah, the tag that's a good that's a good way uh, to talk about it yeah the way he can do that and like to to not just disrupt the ball and break up the play but to poke it to this specific spot where a teammate is sort of in position to then go the other way uh, I very much enjoyed what Kellen Acosta was doing against Mexico in a cup final yesterday. Yeah, to bring up another uh, other sport comparison, it's so, the way he took the ball from people was sometimes a little bit Dikembe Mutombo-esque. Like, no, 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 no. You're not getting through here. <laughs> Give me that ball. Um, 66th minute, Vines and Moore come on for Bello and Cannon. So we get fresh legs at both fullback positions. And then Roldan comes on for Legette. The the subs seemed good to me when they were made. What did you think? I I kind of chuckled because 
uh, dual subs for your fullbacks is not a standard substitution pattern <laughs> that you see it play out in games a lot. Uh, and it again, this very much felt like the roster construction issue rearing its head again because you need to introduce fresh legs, but you can't use the attacking players that you would normally use to introduce fresh legs. So the only way you can do it is by bringing in fullbacks who can run up and down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to go back and beat that dead horse, you know, Jonathan Lewis is one of the, is the, the one winger we have on the bench and he's, he's basically been benched indefinitely at this point. And, uh, we don't have, and then I guess Joe Akini is the other winger. He did come on later, but he's not a winger. He's really more of a nine. And, uh, I was I was surprised it took him so long because I think Joaquini's game against Qatar is actually underrated. I thought he was like immense, and I know Zardes scored the goal, so he get he got most of the sort of plaudits and, and well done to him. Uh, but Joaquini one did all the work on the goal, and then two was just massive in actually seeing that game out. I think he drew like six fouls in ten minutes, uh, and he did a little bit of that again uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, going back to those subs that weren't available, we also basically only brought three real eights on on this roster because Buzio and Newell are mostly guys who prefer to sit deep. Uh, and Roldan has been playing up in a front three for Seattle. Yeah. Uh, so we brought three eights, and then we started all three eights. So then it was also difficult to, because Acosta is actually now our six, it was difficult to replace our central midfield and maintain that level of bite uh, and so Roldan came on for Legette, so we still had the Williamson Acosta bite, but I think you lose a little bit with Roldan in the cage match. Uh, and then later on, we make the Buzio swap and lose a lot in the cage match. So, uh, again, the roster limitations cropped up again tonight, yesterday. Um, and we, we, in large part because Kellen and Acosta and Miles Robinson just were not interested in letting that matter. Yeah. They were so massive, those two. Um, okay. Uh, Roldan cross just misses Zardes and Hoppy in the 68th minute. So Roldan comes on. Roldan was good on the ball. He was good on the ball again. I thought, yeah, I mean, a a lot of it was just him getting the ball on the, on the right wing and then playing an early cross or an early, like waist high ball. But those seem to be fairly effective, at least in this, in this game state. Yeah, in this one, because I think the other ones will probably make the timeline as well because they were both uh, close calls. But on this one, uh, his cross actually was like in the path of the runners, like obviously just ahead mm-hmm. of Zardes and then just ahead of Hoppy uh, on the far post. So, all right, next next slide. <laughs> 69, 69th minute, Ariola catches Salcedo in the back. So Ariola, you know, can't score goals, doesn't isn't great in the attacking third, but boy, does he work hard in the press and it's effective and he pokes it to he pokes it away from Salcedo to Hoppy and Hoppy is never going to pass the ball in this situation (laughs) (laughs) he just he he dribbles across um a little bit and has a shot at the near post it looked to me like it was on frame or at least going to hit the post and had Talavera completely beat but Araujo heads it away I'm not 100% sure it was on frame I'm just saying what it looked like to me so just, and, and yeah, I thought it looked like it was going to be that Jesus Ferrer banger from the weekend is what it looked like to me, uh, top bins. But um, something that struck me as I was watching this is the mental comparison I make to like a Brendan Aronson, who's also very active in the press. Uh, 
And if that had been Aronson instead of Hoppy, what I feel like we would have actually seen would have been that pass to Zardes. It would have had to have been immediate. Uh, as the ball was loose, as Hoppy got there, he had a one-touch opportunity to sneak it into Zardes, who would have been alone eight yards out. But with his uh, first touch not being that pass, that window closed from their covering Mexican defender. And at that point, the shot, as far as I'm concerned, was at that point the right play. I didn't notice that, that window opening and closing for Zardes there. Oh, it closed instantly. So, yeah. Uh, but but that's where I see Aaron, Brendan Aronson, I think, has that, like, first-time pass. Like, that's that, that mental transition from the press to attack uh, isn't for him shoot on sight. It's very much like, where are all the pieces? Where could this ball go yeah, right now? That's what it, and I think that's just a Red Bull trait. Well, it's all, I think it's also a Brendan Aronson trait. It's what he dreams about at night. I <laughs> don't know that for sure. Just imagining it. Um. So then 71st minute, it feels at this point that the U.S. is going to win the game, honestly. That's what it felt like to me. And it, it was all in like transition and all off the press. Everything was just like Mexico getting a little bit sloppy and then us actually being, I want to say like ruthless, ruthless in the fact that we would go forward. Not Certainly not ruthlessly efficient in actually converting those into shots that required saves uh, or going into the goal, but ruthless about just like, let's go. We're not going to reset. We're not going to slow things down. Let's see if we can turn this into a mm. chance. So this one, this next one is is Robinson picks the ball up in our half and strides forward 30, 40 yards, slips it to, I mean, it's, it's a long ball from Mexico's back. I think Sands wins it. It falls to Robinson. He, he dribbles forward into like acres of space. Ariola crosses it after he receives it from Robinson and Zardes tries something spectacular, you know, on the volley and misses and it falls to Hoppy who shows again that he he just has ideas for attacking. He doesn't score, obviously, but he cuts Chaka Rodriguez from his right to his left foot and then has is able to get a shot off. It's it's only tipped out of bounds by a desperately sliding Edson Alvarez. Uh I don't know I don't know what would have happened if Alvarez hadn't been so on the spot, but uh that was another close one. Yeah, and again we're we're showing that we can push Mexico to their absolute brink with this press because these are Mexico's, you know, roughly best players. Mm. Uh and we're we're right there on the doorstep over and over. I know. Well, no, I just something I forgot to mention is that uh Salcedo came on for Hector Moreno <laughs> and that is a big difference when it comes to like breaking the press. Yeah, I I knew that's <laughs> where you're going when I said they're best players. So Moreno had some kind of knock in the first half and I can't remember when he came off. I didn't put it in the timeline, but it was it was early. It was in the first half. Um I, but but I you know I, I broadly speaking agree with what you're saying. I just wanted to be fair to, you know, reality <laughs> because I did not mention Moreno's getting subbed off. Uh seventy second minute we get the you know run of the mill uh Hector Herrera red card shout. He <laughs> definitely uh cleated williamson in the head hard i don't think he intended to do it but it doesn't matter right it's still a red card no i'm trying to think of like the the some kind of a graph that shows the height of the studs going into someone's body like is there a curve because if you go if you go studs up into somebody's shin you're getting sent off into their knee you're getting sent off but i guess if you get high (laughs) enough you can go studs up into the back of the skull and that's that's fair play. That that's just normal normal run of the mill. It was foul. almost the top of his skull, you know. 
I mean, the, his his boot came down on the top of Williamson's head. How Ache Ache just continues to avoid getting sent off in these games is beyond me. But he did. He got a yellow card. And 74th minute, U.S. keeps pounding on the door. Set piece from wide left. Acosta curls it in beautifully, foreshadowing. And uh, Jazzy gets contact with his chest and his shin. It just kind of, uh, you know, dribbles over to Ariola, who's coming in from the left, and Ariola slams it off of Talavera from a foot away. <laughs> so close to being dangerous. <laughs> Acosta's, Acosta's set pieces were so so good, uh, obviously. 76 minute Gutierrez comes on for Dos Santos and uh, Rodolfo Pizarro comes on for Pineda. 77th minute, a big Mexico chance on it. And so I think those subs actually shifted things a little bit. Mexico started to get back into the game. It felt like, okay, same old thing. We're, we're, we wore them down and we're going to just like close it down in the last 30 minutes. Well, no, 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 no. Mexico got back in the game. Uh, Shaka works hoppy and vines isn't much help. I didn't think, and whips a ball in for a scrum over Sands' prostrate body. So it's just body, you know, people flying everywhere. Sands <laughs> kind of on the ground. It's scary. It does. It ends with a corner kick, I think. There were there were a lot of moments in this game, even like long durations, where our defending felt like a hockey team on a penalty kill. <laughs> uh, you know, like win it and dump it, dump the puck down ice. And this was like the classic case of like bodies just laying down in front of the goal, try to put your try to cover up the puck, whatever you can do. Uh, I, I mean, I think Hoppy was like lunging with his face to try to just intercept a shot just in case. Uh, <laughs> bit bit scrambly. It's all a bit yeah, scrambly. It was very scrambly. Seventy uh, ninth minute, another U.S. chance. Hoppy on the end of a Williamson ball to the wing, cuts in and over dribbles, looking for a shot. As, you know, he keeps looking for that right footed shot. He had some passing options at various points in his progression across the top of the box. Didn't was never gonna make a pass once again and uh and then gets tackled uh i will say even as i sort of backhandedly criticize him i f- i forgot to mention hoppy according to instat hoppy accounted for 1.79 xg on the tournament which is more than dk or his artists who are the closest competitors and he created eight chances which is more than the six created by legit who is the second best that's sebastian legit for all of you in the back uh so so uh, he was he was the danger man for the U.S. in this tournament. So it's two things, right? He was the danger man, but also the U.S. were not particularly dangerous in this tournament. Uh, you know, we we won our. I mean, I, I mean, we weren't prolific. And sure, dangerous. We, but that's uh, not a knock on our five hobby, competitive. Right? No, 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 not at all. Our five competitive games, we have all finished one zero, and it's not like we squandered a ton, a ton of chances. Uh, most of the time, those goals lined up pretty closely with our expected goals for the day. Uh, so it's it's hard to be like that excited about Hoppy's numbers there when when the reality is we just weren't creating a, just a load of chance uh, chances. Yeah, I guess I maybe there's another way to look at it, which is to be more excited about what Hoppy did in that context. Like he was creating chances off of like just taking the ball from the wing and cutting in and, and like hitting a spectacular pass, you know, like he did that three times that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, just in the last two games. And, um, 
he worked another thing good thing about hoppy is he just worked so hard like he was pressing as hard as Ariola was as hard as zardis was running getting all the way back in our box to defend he's an angry defender yeah. isn't he He's an angry chaser. He chases angry, <laughs> uh, which is good and bad. It doesn't always feel like uh, he's necessarily following the the defensive scheme <laughs> while he's while he's angry chasing. But he's out there. He's doing personally it. affronted that somebody else from the other team has the ball, and he's gonna. He he does do some d- kind of dumb fouls every now and then. But and and this isn't. I'm, I'm certainly not trying to be condescending to what he did offensively or or the work that he was putting in defensively. Uh, since we're talking about him, let's just let's just sort of talk about September now, uh, because it's going to be really kind of interesting where he's positioned himself for the September window. Um, he didn't play any minutes up top, mm-hmm. so if we're if we're thinking of him in that depth chart, it's hard to. I mean, we're definitely just sort of extrapolating from what we saw from him on the wing, um, and then the the wing uh, depth chart is pretty crowded for a full strength team if everyone's healthy between. Pulisic, Reina Wea, and Aronson, who I think are considered the top four. And then Greg Berhalter favorite Paul Ariola could be the fifth man in a extended camp. So the question becomes like this really bright spot of this tournament, Matthew Hoppy, Is he in two? Does he replace one of the guys that I just named? Is he like a hybrid sixth winger slash third forward? Like what what do you think his his chances are? In September. I really don't know. I really don't know because it's, it's a great point. I think we all sort of thought of Aronson as the fourth winger after the after that Nations League friendly against Costa Rica when he looked so good, and he also looked good in the spring too when he came in off the bench. But I think I think Aronson Hoppy. I'm gonna have to throw Wea in here too. Aronson Hoppy Wea are sort of competing for two spots, maybe three spots, I guess. <laughs> Then it wouldn't be a competition anymore uh, <laughs> for an extended yeah. camp, right? And then, but then there's a there's you know I think Conrad De La Fuente is I think there's a there's a, a non-zero chance that he breaks in to this conversation over the next couple months. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we do with with Matthew Hoppy with a full strength roster. I have no answer to that question. <laughs> I don't either. I think that again, I I'm pretty sure that's a good thing. Like because. Uh, I think the only the only choice that would actually like get people pretty upset would be like Ariola in and Hoppy out come September. Yeah, which I don't think is impossible. Yeah, because even though he's as you as you like to say danger adjacent rather than actually dangerous, Ariola does a lot of other things well. You know, he allows other people to look good. Um, it's a tough decision. Just pressing his. His his pressing, uh, I think, is he's still doing a ton of work. I know we just talked about the work Hoppy was doing. I think he was a little uh, more disciplined in it. Uh, you can even see things. It's hard to know without knowing what their actual assignments are. But it, there are definitely times where it looks like Hoppy's chasing has actually gotten him in trouble. Uh, even like in the early stages of the press, where everyone should sort of be on the same uh, song, where he's his angles are sort of poor, and he's it looks like he's supposed to be sealing off like the left sideline. Uh, when he's playing in that left half space and they get the ball out to that left sideline easily. And now the whole team has to like sprint 60 yards back to recover because Bello is one on two. Uh, whereas if Hoppy just denies that pass in Bello is protected. Um, and that happens way less frequently on Ariola's right side. So you, there are those trade-offs. Um, this is all just our long way of saying, I have no idea how it will shake out in September because 
no one's gonna. I don't think anyone's gonna be mad if Matthew Hoppy's on the call up list in no, September. No, no, no. I think people will be mad if he's not. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a there's a there's definitely a at least in the fans that I interact with a sort of affinity for Hoppy that that our Ariola does not enjoy. They, I think, part of it is they just enjoy the number of puns that are available to work off bad. of. They're all uh, bad. Hop. Even though they're none of them really quite work. <laughs> like they're all they're all like close to being good puns. It's almost like pun adjacent. He's a pun adjacent <laughs> player, and I don't think any of them have ever actually come off. Wow, shots fired in so many directions. Pun adjacent, I like that. Eighty uh, seventh minute, Joe Keeney comes on for Ariola and Busio for Williamson, and immediately, I know you've been singing Joe Keeney's praises until you're hoarse over there, but um, <laughs> an immediately poor moment from him after Acosta wins the ball. This is one of those like kind of superhuman moments from Acosta. He just plucks it out of the air, like with you know, and and unlike Hector Herrera, there is nobody for him to put his cleats into the head of. He's just plucking <laughs> the ball out of the air, turns and plays it to um to Joachini. And then Joachini plays a square pass that's kind of it just looked like he wasn't he was rattled and not quite ready for the moment. And and Mexico goes going off the other way. Luckily they were not very incisive in this moment just like they weren't incisive in a lot of moments in this game. 89th minute. I have to clock that Joachini poor moment. I had to do it. <laughs> I know. It's funny that I'm like the Joachini defender when I think prior to the tournament, I was I was making a very uh, loud point that he has no goals, no assists in like a thousand minutes in the second division yeah. in France. Well, you know, we all, we all change, don't we? 89th minute. Uh, Vines goes up for an aerial challenge and heads it directly to an L3 player in the middle. L3. Then he's 1v1 with Tecatito, and Tecatito lifts across at the back post for that uh, rolled-on penalty shout when Herrera just sort of like tries to play it off of Roldan's hand. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but I'm, but yeah. I, I, I clocked that moment just to say, you know, Bella was surprisingly good defensively, and I thought, you know, Vines is coming on. He's fresh. He's at least going to be as good as Bello, and I don't think he was. I think he was actually a little bit of a downgrade, at least in terms of outcomes. Like things just kept going down his side of the field. Yeah, and and I think what you want when you put vines on the field is just like safety, right? Like okay, the the highs won't be so yeah. high, but we'll be safe here. And that that didn't feel like it was the case. Yeah, and and maybe that's just a bridge too far, and there is no way we can feel safe with any of our left backs against Mexico. Uh, but we. The outcomes, like you said, the outcomes actually felt less safe than than when Bello yeah. was on the field. Skew it in this game. This is it's it's one one match, half a match each. A good moment from Joachini in the ninety first minute. Uh, early ball across from Roldan, and Joachini comes back to it at the top of the box and cushions a very like a perfect little layoff for Busio. I like that the quickness of thought and the the sort of unselfishness there. And Busio takes a left footed strike, and it's way over the goal. Yeah, shameful. Uh, I really liked. <laughs> I'm joking. That was just a that was just a random Buzio dig. Um, I really liked. Uh, there was a pattern here of Roldan hitting this ball into the top of the box because he had one earlier to Zardes that didn't really amount to much. I think we still got a shot off of it. Uh, but it was like uh, Roldan's first ball had sort of overplayed Zardes and Hoppy's run, and his next two in looked like uh, looked like quarterbacks under throwing a wide <laughs> receiver intentionally. 
uh, like everyone was moving back, and then he hit it like behind everyone in that space that was sort of clearing out by people driving forward, and so I could come back and get it. Uh, and I don't know if it was intentional for sure, but he did. He had two in a row. One to Zardes, who controlled it really well again um, against the grain of his reputation, and then this one to Joachini, who very nicely, very efficiently put it, set it up for yeah. Buzio. Put that on Busio's right foot, and you know, maybe we're talking about a one-zero win in regulation. But on his left foot, I, I would not bet on him scoring from there. He had he had a, another one like that against yep. Qatar, right? A little vo- bouncing uh, volley attempt, and I feel like the trajectory was identical. Yeah, he, it went it went. Into he space. strikes it so beautifully with his right foot, but not with his left. And so, you know, it's, that's not a totally uncommon phenomenon among soccer players. Uh, I've already talked about how good Acosta was. So the, the end of regulation comes, let's start talking about extra time. There are fewer moments here, so bear with us. Uh, in the 91st and 93rd minutes, there's a hoppy chance with his left foot and a Funes Mori chance with his right foot on either end of the field. Both were offside, I think. And, um... I, I I have the 91st minute chance for Hoppy noted just because Acosta tries the Olympico twice on the corner kick. <laughs> Go straight for goal. Did, is that how you saw it too? It looked like he... Yes, I think it was intentional. First time he it gets headed away at the near post. The second time he hits it into the side netting. Out of bounds, side netting. Uh, 95th minute, we get some, we get some nice stuff from Busio. He plays it to Joachini after Acosta pockets Gallardo, one of those sort of like give me the ball tackles from earlier that I mentioned earlier. And Acosta plays Busio into space. Busio slides it to Joachini and he tries to cut it back across with his left foot as he's sliding and getting kind of pushed down. Uh, it gets covered up by Talavera. And I think Zardes was a little late in arriving anyway. I don't think it was going to amount to anything. Nice, nice ball from Busio. Nice ball from Busio there. I got to give him uh, some love because... Uh, it was a bit of a like degree of difficulty kind of pass. Um, both Mexico defenders were treating and like giving very little room to thread it, uh, and he really put it in the only place he could to create any kind of danger out of he's it. He's a he's a very technical, tidy player. I mean, he had the he brought that one ball down with his right foot, and then was fouled. I think a little later than this. That was, I mean, uh, impressive technical work. At this point in the game, people are cramping up, getting like stretched, uh, you know, getting their hamstrings worked on, and there's just not a lot of action from for much of the first period of extra time. It's it's pretty it's pretty rough. I did notice in the 105th minute a little selfishness from Hoppy. Busio collects a Mexico clearance at the top of zone 14 and slips it wide to Hoppy, and Hoppy has a, a so on the right. Hoppy has a pretty bad shot from a bad angle when he could have just squared it to Busio uh, in the space between the edge of the box and the penalty marker. Busio complains. This Hoppy looks rueful. Sorry, please. No, this was this was a uh, this like totally made me think of the 2019 games against Mexico where and and obviously we're in the 105th minute so things are stretched here, but uh it was this was off a of just a long ball from James Sands, I'm pretty sure. Um, just lumps it up to Zardes, who doesn't even come close to challenging for it. But because Mexico are so far upfield when Sands has the ball, like the Mexico header goes to goes straight to Buzio, who's all by himself, and it's four on four in like half of the field. And this is something that, again, we've been talking about again since 2019 of 
you don't have to pass through Mexico when they commit these numbers up. Just hit it up where they're not the strongest. Their defenders aren't the strongest players on their team. Uh, and take your chances with the numbers you have up there. And this was this should have been, I think, a much more dangerous situation. 4v4 with all of that room. And we settled for a bad shot. Again, our legs are pretty exhausted at this point. Yeah. Hoppy should have played it back to Busio, honestly. And Busio agrees with me on that. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Mexico... Hoppy's got to be exhausted, man. We're we're at the 105th minute. He's been running every... I'm not making excuses for him. I'm actually... It's another roster construction, construction issue where it's like, we're sitting on a sub at this point and Hoppy can barely walk. You're talking about guys cramping up. Uh, this This would have been a time to bring in that excellent replacement level winger that we have waiting for us but we don't yeah. have that there were no good yeah it's true there were no good options um after joe Keeney had been brought in and you could argue joe Keeney's not even a great option as a winger although he he as you have repeatedly mentioned he did do well <laughs> if, if we'd had another winger we could have done that if we'd had another eight it would have been rolled yeah. out to the wing and the eight into the uh cage match expert in the midfield but uh but the guys just kept willing themselves through yeah let's get to the uh the second half of extra time i have three items 107th minute that zardis chance with his left foot another sort of uh, what is it, like thrown behind the receiver <laughs> pass from Roldan from the right wing so an early ball at the top of the box jazzy collects it in about the same spot that that joe keeney's uh, collected that other one that he laid off for Busio, and, and instead of laying it off for anybody, he turns and takes a couple touches with his left foot and has one right at Talavera. Okay, here's the goal. Starts with a pretty straightforward breakout from Sands to Busio to Joaquini. Joaquini is fouled by Alvarez in the in the open field. Uh, it did not look to me like Joaquini was gonna do anything with that ball, but he just got crunched. By it's an Alvarez. I was I was finally catching up to the live broadcast here. As I, was, I was watching on a slight delay, and I think I finally got to also turn the audio on as my uh, children had gone to sleep. And uh, I think I could hear in the background. I think I could hear the commentator. Correct me if I'm wrong. Saying like, Hoppy's nowhere near this play. Like he was just walking behind the play, not even in the screen. Like we weren't sending anyone. It was just Joaquini and Zardes. Yeah. I think like in the attack at that point, and. Uh, Totally. So, so it's just like a totally unnecessary foul. We've got no legs left. Wouldn't have surprised me if Joe Keeney had just like taken it to the corner, <laughs> right? Just go straight for penalties. But he got so he he got fouled, and Acosta takes the free kick pretty quickly, and it's just a beauty of an in swinger from the left channel, I guess you'd say, right on Miles Robinson's forehead. He's actually being marked by Edson Alvarez too. So. Uh, kind of a rough sequence for for number four for mexico who outside of that had a really good game i thought he's a he's an impressive player to me uh and robinson rises and nods at home just textbook right underneath uh you know hits hits the ground about a foot from the goal line and bounces up into the net talavera doesn't really have a chance he tries to take his shirt off but it's too tight as he's as he's celebrating the goal and it's one zero USA, mobbed in the corner. <laughs> Scenes. That's that's becoming our favorite corner. Yeah. I know it's a different stadium, but that corner in particular. Yep. The, we, I think it's actually called the Stanky Light Corner it's called? at this point. It was dubbed that in tw- two thousand nine, I think. Uh, but that was awesome, man. That was 
what a moment. Are you are you sure that it I think that was a prepared I think that was a rehearsed celebration, the fake the fake Oh you, jersey. Do you think so? I think so. He was already smiling about it. He would have I mean my, if he wanted that shirt off, it would have been torn into shreds. He would have he would have found I suppose that's true. He's strong enough to pull the shirt off, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Walkie's gonna break that down. He'll will for sure get a real real analysis on the on the Yeah, I forgot to mention that Walkie has a good breakdown of Matthew how annoying Matthew Hoppy is to play against, which is really, really good. Um a lot of the videos focused on his face. Uh yeah, I mean what what should we say about this? We've we've scored we scored a lot of set pieces against Mexico. They need to learn to defend these set pieces. Um Acosta's set pieces are good. He should keep taking those. What else? So we created more more chances in this game than we did in the Nations League final. And again, it was almost entirely, almost entirely down to transition and the press and the yeah. counter press. Uh, but it was those were productive. I mean, I think we were two and a half, roughly two xG on the day, and I don't think that's uh, underselling it. I'm not sure how they scored Zardes is that he was flagged offside for. Uh, not that we need to debate the single game XG, but like there were, you know, it matches the eye test. There were a lot. Of, we we were in quite a few times um, in the run of play via, via the aggressive defense. Yeah, more chances than our the nation. More chances from the run of play than the Nations League final. More chances than we than we created against Canada a week and a half ago, whenever that was. I think is more chances than we got against Qatar too. For sure, it definitely was Qatar. We only had. The two chances in the second half were the hop, the DK save and the Zardes goal, yeah. and Jamaica. Like I think it's fair to say we have more chances than we created against Jamaica. So soccer's a funny game, man. <laughs> Very much just a bunch of dudes. I, again, I think the eleven here was the exact. Given the guys we had here, the exact eleven to throw some guys out there who were going to be up for it, and our guys were up yeah. for it. Most specifically, Kellen Acosta and Miles Robinson, who deserve another mention for just uh, like uh, probably sharing the man of the match uh, honors in this game. That and Zardes Zardes is getting a lot of love for for the work he was doing in the press and because he was cleaner on the ball than we usually expect from Zardes. So you know, I, I do think it's fair to say the expectations for Zardes on the ball are low. Uh, he definitely exceeded them in a way that is worth celebrating uh, yesterday. But they, the amount of work they were doing in the press was impressive. And it was all of the front three. So Zardes definitely doing a ton of it. Uh, but Hoppy and Ariola also really important in that group to turn some of those sort of like nothing plays into dangerous chances yeah. for the U.S. Yep. Now we have to see which ones will get left out in September. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of, oh, let's 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 do the last timeline. I just want to say that in the 119th minute, Vines is too easily beaten down our left side again. This is like right after the goal, which is similar to something that happened in the in the Qatar game where he was beaten right after the goal for that one and created some danger. Um, nothing came of it, but it was a little bit of a nervy moment. And then we saw the game out. Gold Cup champ. He actually. Go ahead. He actually got done against Jamaica at the end of the game, still, he? where he got spun super bad. And then Robinson had to block it what on the end line. What the heck? Jamaica were like in, I mean, not in, they were they were in that like perfect cutback zone all by themselves because was, Vines was totally taken out of the play there. I, it just made me think of it because similar uh, Three pattern. Three games in a row where right after we score, he nearly gives up. No. 
I don't think the Jamaica one was okay. right after we scored, since I think we scored early in that game, right? Was that the game we scored early? Oh, bells. No. Well, I'll, I'll have to check it, because somebody pointed out that it didn't make our timeline. Don't roll your eyes at me. It didn't make our timeline, and I had thought that it did, because I had watched that play a bunch of times. Like, oh man, yet another bellow, or I'm sorry, yet another Miles uh, heroic act of yeah. defense. Yeah, no, it was. It was definitely in the Jamaica game. I can't remember if something happened in the Qatar game. So anyway, two out of three, maybe three out of three of the last games uh this happened but let's not dwell on that let's be positive here uh we are the gold cup champs uh so since the year 2000 we've won six gold cups and mexico's won five that's a very arbitrary time frame (laughs) never mind that fact um more importantly uh fifa rankings we got some fifa ranking math going on and uh i believe according to jordan's um nerdery like we are just behind mexico either like 10th or 11th but more importantly like well within striking range uh of pot one with 14 world cup qualifiers ahead of us which are an opportunity for tons of fifa ranking points um and this is actually a huge deal i mean this is a big deal for eventually qualifying for and advancing out of the world cup group stage yeah because it means you could be in a group of life rather than a group of death (laughs) The absolute best team to be is the weakest team in pot one. Yeah. No, it's not the. You want to be the best. The best team in pot one, but uh, it's. It, this would be amazing for our, uh, for our group stage chances. Yeah, and Jordan. For those of you who don't aren't like tracking this stuff very closely, Jordan is uh, at NatFan9 on Twitter, and he's been calculating the likely FIFA rankings, which come out August twelfth, meticulously since the beginning of the summer. So he's like, he's he's pretty confident that he's got it right, and that the U.S. is going to be tenth when those ranking come, rankings rankings come out. Mexico will be ninth. We're like quite a ways ahead of Germany now, which seems a little odd, but we'll take it. Don't don't drop points to North Macedonia in World there Cup qualifying, go. Germany. So we've covered seventeen seventeen one and one bells. Is that I think since the Canada loss, uh, Greg Berhalter in the U.S. are seventeen one and one. Pretty good. Against you know a lot of a lot of easy games in there, but we're we're winning the one that matters the most, which is beating Mexico. So we've covered a lot of the takeaways as we've gone here, but um, you know one thing with Robinson, I wanted to ask you is, uh, is it you know does his emergence reduce the need for a healthy John Brooks? I mean, yes, in the sense that Brooks was one of our nailed-on, I mean, the nailed-on center back, and it was a uh, crapshoot, especially once Aaron Long went down, and because we still haven't seen Chris Richards in any extended time for the U.S., um, it was a crapshoot to see who was going to be number two, and McKenzie got the nod in Nations League and was uh, acceptable, and then shocking in sort of not equal measure but shocking twice in, against Mexico in ways that like make you nervous about what that might mean uh for World Cup qualifying. The hope is that, you know, he'll sort of settle that down and it won't be an issue, but it definitely was not a McKenzie didn't settle the question, we'll say of of who our non-John Brooks center back was going to be. Um and I think now we definitely have Miles Robinson as one of our non-John Brooks center backs who I don't think anyone will be nervous about starting World Cup qualifier. It doesn't mean that he won't make mistakes over however many minutes he sees in qualifying, 
but he's going to play a big part in qualifying. And I again, it, his name on the starting lineup doesn't make me uh, squirm at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the issue with Brooks is you you we have some reason to worry that he will always be healthy. He had a he had a good year health wise last season, but um, you know, if you remember, he was he was missing in the with injury in the the key months of the of the last qualifying campaign in 2017 so you know it's been i think a thought that many of us have had over the past year or so is you know boy i hope brooks stays healthy because without him we're in big trouble and it does feel like that's that's less of a concern now well even again even if it means we can rotate him uh for these windows because maybe part of the reason he was able to stay healthy is because he wasn't jetting across the atlantic for uh World Cup qualifying games every every couple of months. Yeah. yeah, we could. So if we can if we can just ease that load, I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling good. I feel good about those three in particular: Brooks, Richards, and uh, Robinson. And I know Richards is still a bit of sight unseen, uh, but I, I just think the only thing he's missing that Robinson now has is that Robinson got his opportunity and got to show what he has. And I'm I'm expecting that Richards will be able to do the same at a, at the same or higher level. And I think having at least three of those guys with four options for number four, who are also we're feeling okay about, uh, puts us in a pretty good place. Yeah, and I agree with you that McKenzie McKenzie didn't settle the spot. There's a there's, I mean, there's reason to be optimistic that he will become a utterly dependable center back. You know, the one who like we could we could write in pen on the team sheet or on the roster. But he's not quite there yet. He's just he's just a little too, not just not just in that Nations League final against Mexico, but in his games in Belgium, he's just a little too mistake prone. And he does he doesn't have elite lateral quickness, and he doesn't he isn't elite in the air. He's slightly undersized, and so there's enough there are enough question marks there that he's not. I don't think he's on the level of a Robinson or a Richards for me. And I and frankly, I'd be more comfortable with Zimmerman than McKenzie right this second. Right this second. That's very much subject to okay. change. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I like those three. I'm I, I, again. This it's all conjecture about Richards and his place in the group. It very much could be Alexi Lawless having the last laugh when Richards is left out of the twenty three entirely uh, come September. But um, you know, Richards just played in Bayern's friendly. Uh, they've got the Super Cup, and I think they have a Pokal match coming up, and they'll have the Super Cup uh, coming up soon. So I, I wouldn't surprise me to see him get some competitive minutes for Bayern Munich. Seems like that should be enough to to get yourself into a camp. And he's um, and there's still a month left in the transfer window, or you know, a month minus two days. So any, that that move to that loan to Hoffenheim could still very much materialize. Um. Yeah, for, for anyone keeping track of the calendar, uh, it's probable that the September roster will be finalized. It, I mean, the September re- roster will definitely be finalized before the August 31st transfer window closes in the Bundesliga. So if it is a late transfer for Richards, it would happen after we already know who's coming uh, in September. Yeah. Um, but that, that's why it's important that even if he doesn't transfer, he's healthy. He's playing games for Bayern now. I was worried that he would be injured, would miss sort of these games. You know the Ross, the transfer would be up in the air, and we wouldn't he wouldn't have played at all. And at that point, like I, he, I could see him being left out of the September, September camp since he doesn't have a long track record with Berhalter. Right. Uh, but the fact that he's going to be, I'm, I'm expecting him to be playing rotational minutes for Bayern Munich. 
that again, I think that's going to be good for an invite. Yeah. Well, we would, we would, I would like to do an episode about Ocho rotation, you know, over the next few weeks where we really get into like, how is this September window going to play out? We don't know how it's going to play out, but we can talk about some of the possibilities. And, um, you know, when you talk about Brooks, maybe Brooks, we don't want Brooks to travel as much. Maybe we just fly him down to, uh, San Salvador for that game against El Salvador. And then, you know, set him up at an Airbnb at the border of <laughs> El Salvador and Honduras for the week, for the week. And then, you know, he, he, he just leaves, he just lets the Canada friendly in Nashville happen without him. And then he shows up in San Pedro Sula for the Honduras, the Honduras match. You know, there's a lot of ways to, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. <laughs> I I love the idea of leaving like a base of players who don't travel between games. I have no idea what that does for, for team culture, but as far as like logistics and keeping people fresh, just being like, all right, you four are going to play in the, in the first home. Like when we have two right. home games, you're going to play in the first home game. You're not going to go anywhere. You're, and then we'll just see you when we come back for game two, game three. <laughs> so, so that that's the center back situation. Very, very positive news, I think, with Miles Robinson's performance. Let's talk about the second six. Second six is sorted, huh? Like, it's Kellen Acosta. The only reason it's not Kellen Acosta is because you you might choose to throw Kellen Acosta in as your first six and move Tyler Adams into one of your dual eight roles with Weston McKinney, which I'm not opposed to at all, especially if Yunus Musa is not available in the September window. Which he very well may not be. I mean, that's the smart money right now. He won't be, right? Based on a uh, report of an injury, right? Yeah. That was going to keep him out four to six weeks, and that was uh, last week. So, yeah, it's going to be it, it'll be tight, and it just starts to feel like we're we'll be okay if he's not. And it, it could be an Acosta Adams McKenney midfield, which takes us all the way back to November two thousand seventeen in our friendly against Portugal. <laughs> it's, we've come full circle here. It's so crazy. I mean that he he was sent home from a January camp. And uh, now he's, now he's, I, I'd be even happy with like Adams as a six and Acosta as one of the eights, you know, I'd be fine with that. Triple pivot. It's a triple pivot, Bells. I mean, he's, he's a little bit goal dangerous, a little bit more goal dangerous than Adams. Um, We've talked about Hoppy. We've talked about Bello. I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say who should be the left back who's brought in this upcoming window between him and vines I, I, I'm, I'm assuming anthony robinson will be there uh and what else what else should we discuss anything i mean pot one bells we're we're we're, bound, we're almost locked on for pot one if we can if we can just continue never losing soccer games through this world cup qualifying campaign we're a top eight team in the country in the world you said after that uh, or yeah, right before that can that second Canada match, the one that we had to win, uh, I think it was in Orlando, that you didn't think Berhalter would change, like would would make the change from that that creamy four four two. I didn't. I didn't think you would. Uh, Donald Norman wrote a, a really well thought out uh, piece on why he he eventually landed on we should keep Berhalter. Um, because after that Canada loss, you know, there was, there was discussion about that. Uh, and, and it was basically, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but 
uh, I, I, what I kind of read it as coming down to was, we don't necessarily know that anybody else would be able to do it better. So we'd be giving up Burhalter for an unknown. Uh, and instead, it was better to just hold tight and hope that Burhalter figured it out. Uh, and my response was, all right, so you're basically saying he just needs to call up a bunch of different players than he's been calling up and change all of the ways that he's been asking those players to play uh, for the last year, which sounds to me an awful lot like you may as well just hire another coach. Like, you gotta, you got to change your players, you got to change your tactics. So you could either dump Burhalter and bring in a guy who would definitely do that or cross your fingers and hope that Burhalter figures it out. And, and Donald was saying, well, I, I actually kind of think it'd be better to just cross your fingers. And lo and behold, we've crossed our fingers and... Berhalter has called in a bunch of different players and he's changed the way that he asked them to play and we are winning some yeah. soccer games. Yeah, it, it's remarkable. I, I mean, we weren't calling for him to be fired, just to be clear to everybody who's sort of a more recent listener than that. But we were really frustrated with that first, with that first, especially with that first Canada game. And I, and I don't think, the interesting thing is I don't think Berhalter would see it you know, he wouldn't describe it this way if he were, I mean, I've never seen him describe it this way. Like that was a sort of pivotal moment for him as a coach i've never heard him say it that way but it sure appears that way like he he did change he didn't completely change he's sort of he's sort of <laughs> remained committed to the that ball playing six and tried to force jackson ewell into the lineup and tried to force I amy mean, you could even argue he's tried to force gianluca busio into this lineup for the same reasons um will trap michael bradley originally but in the, in the two games that have mattered the most uh, since then, he's abandoned it almost completely or just said, all right, well, I'll make sure that we have somebody in there who can dominate in the, the space and whatever passing I can get from them, I'll, I'll take as a bonus. And again, it's not as though Acosta's passing has been any worse than any of the more nominal playmaking sixes. So we haven't really lost anything there and we've gained tremendously, I think, in what we've been able to do uh in other ways of generating goals. But but I'd totally say, I mean, it's absolutely fair to say that Burhalter has, I think, fixed it. I think the Jackson Ewell start against Honduras, and then, again, his inclusion in the Gold Cup roster, inexplicably, with Jonathan Lewis, uh, I'd assume those aren't going to carry over into September. We're talking about who the September call-ups might be. So he's. I think Burhalter has fixed it. Uh, and you could. I, I think you could say he silenced his critics, and he's kind of done it in the way of like, giving some of the critics critics what they yeah. wanted <laughs> like he's he's done that but i'm happy like in that sense i'm thrilled to be silenced and be like oh, all right there's there's literally nothing wrong with what we're doing at this point this is fantastic I, yeah we're not doing enough to disorganize the opponent with the ball but maybe that's the maybe that's part of the adjustment is like we're we're slow we're gradually giving up on that as a as sort of like the main thing we're trying to do and i and i have to shout out matt hartman he's saying a long time ago we should just we should just we have players who understand how to press. A lot of them play in the Bundesliga. Why don't we just come out and smash people in the mouth and, you know, dispense with all this fancy Nancy nonsense and, um, and then win, you know, win chances and, and score goals in transition it does feel like Berhalter is moving in that direction. Not, he's not a hundred percent there, but he's moving there. And like you said, I don't think he'll ever say we're abandoning possession. Cause I, and I don't think you should. I no. think you should, just like uh, when, when people were saying, you know, 
we have to choose between the possession and the pressing. You don't necessarily have to do that. You can you can try to get goals from multiple streams. Uh, so I just feel like we can continue to fine tune whatever possession we're capable of uh, and work to create chances that way. But don't definitely don't play against uh, what our talent pool is very good at. Well, and then. And and for everyone who's everyone who's on board, very on board with Jazzy Zardes, you know, as as potentially being like our starting striker, like this is yesterday is the perfect game for him. That's the that's the game plan if you want to play Jazzy Zardes as your as your starting striker. Yeah, thirty six percent possession, but all over the field, uh, being an absolute nuisance, uh, and turning that into a couple of xg in a night. Well, the thing about possession is like going back to our conversation about Mexico earlier. I I really do think it's 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 about the players and the culture of you know the soccer culture in your nation. Um, so like we have we have players who can possess the ball. You know, like we, like we we have a bunch of those, and it just doesn't feel like that needs to be the point of the whole scheme. You know, it'll it'll happen if it happens if you if you're able to if you're able to do it, even if you're a pressing team. I mean, RB Leipzig ends up knocking the ball around a lot. A lot of the times against weaker opponents, we're going to end up knocking the ball around too. Uh, so that's my thought on that. Yep. The Red Bullification of the U.S. Men's National there we go. Team. Well, there's more to say about the pool and about September, but for now, let's just leave it at this. Um, Good time to be a U.S. men's national team fan. (laughs) Thanks for listening to us. We'll see you.